0: Hello, Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. It's a special (laughs) video edition. And I don't know what just happened there. I wasn't looking, but um, I'm sure it wasn't good, a good look for me. But uh, anyway, we got yes. Carruthers on the other side of the table here. And you recognize the guy in the middle. This is Josh Heron, uh, 2013 uh, Superbike Champion uh-huh. and uh, Superstock? Uh, 16. 16. Okay. Dang. Yeah, no, I you know. We remember should, this? We know, should, it should flow right out of me.
1: Mr. Years,
0: too. Yeah. Did yeah, you do a reboot this morning? No, you know, here's the thing. This is the interesting thing about this. Normally, we do a little bit of prep work on this thing, but Paul and I talked about it, and we said, we know this guy so well. I've known him almost all his life. So we, we felt like, yeah, we're pretty cocky. We don't need to know, you know, learn too much about his details. Apparently, we're not so. that good. Yeah, and then I can't remember the years, but <laughs> but it's funny. Um, I don't know whether it was at, uh, at Coda or wherever, but one of the things I always think of Josh he used to have a nickname. It was little bit, and I think you had it on your leathers. Yeah. And I still call him that sometimes. And I'm, I'm like, is this a? I don't know if it's offensive for him or not. But um he's, we talked about it. And he said it's okay. I think it's okay that maybe the only there reason
2: it might not be is because like people in the south, when they say a little bit it means like little bitch. Here at school, they say what up, bit. Like <laughs> I don't know how cool it is here. But
0: <laughs> maybe I better keep that one to myself then. But I always think of it because Josh has been in the paddock for so long and. Started out racing at a pretty young age and got involved with Chuck Graves back a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the guys that you raced with then um,
1: I'm, are,
2: a,
0: I'm an old guy now.
2: Yeah,
1: you are. yeah. That's right. <laughs> Does mean, 2013 <laughs> seem like a long time ago to you? No. It doesn't?
2: No. It seems like it was <laughs> like <to> yesterday. <laughs> I can't even remember it. Somebody said the other day, I'm the only rider in Superbike now with a Superbike title. You are, and I have the most wins. You and I was do. like, "Wow, yeah, most
1: wins." <laughs> eight. That's,
2: bad. that's bad. Well, the stat I saw was overall. So I have thirty six wins overall. Yeah, but I'm only thinking that's super by But those are eight. real
1: classes too.
2: Four <laughs> and four.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is overall wins. In fact, we threw you off one time. Remember that press conference where I said he. He had gotten to a certain level of number of overall wins, and you you confused it with superbike wins or something. And it was he was like, "Oh wow, I didn't know I was le- I had the most superbike wins in no. history or something."
2: Yeah, you <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I definitely knew I did it. Okay, that.
1: so <laughs> I screwed it up. What, okay, you have eight wins right now. Mm-hmm. At the end of this year, to be superbike champion, how many wins do you think you'd have to have?
2: Uh, I mean, who Ben Bostrom won a championship one year? He didn't win one race, right? Uh, he won one. Did he, he? won one race. Was
1: I don't he think he I mean, No, he won he one not in zero. his championship year. He won yeah.
2: Dave, Dave's horse is over there telling me zero. <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. So Thomas
1: Stevens did. won one. You yeah.
2: know, I think uh, I, I've always tried to be, you know, in my mind, I, I've i obviously messed up a lot, but I've always tried to be as consistent as I can. And and if I, you know, there, I've obviously made mistakes, but a lot of times before the adrenaline kicks in, I'm thinking, okay, second's better than than nothing, which a lot of times mm-hmm. – fail to finish the race. So you can't look at it like that. But,
1: so the adrenaline um, kicks in and echoes yeah, out the window yeah, and then you crash.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think this year you need to win at least six, seven races to win. You know, obviously if other guys mess up, you know, you know, guys crash or bikes break. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to at least win seven races. I mean, that's, that's my goal going into it. If I win, obviously be way happier
1: if I win more, but I want to win at least seven races. I mean, from our standpoint, there's, there's not going to be a Cameron Bobier this year with 13, 14 wins, 16 wins. I guess he had by the end. I mean, do you Thanks see? Both. Do you see that anybody could do that? Well, you said, said Hey, But seriously, there's nobody here that's going to go win 16 races.
2: I don't know. I mean, it's it just depends on how good somebody feels with their bike. Like at it at the Coda test, the the last you know couple laps that I did, two laps a day, I felt just like I did on my 18 bike, which I didn't go win 13 races, whatever like Cam did, but. I felt so comfortable on the bike and so confident that anything is possible. I think when I feel that confident, um, you know, there's been times like Richard and I talked before in 16, when I won the stock thousand championship, the first few times I rode that bike, I told him there's, there's no way we're not going to win a race this year. Like I just, at the end of testing, like before the first race of the year. And then we ended up winning eight in a row, which was crazy to me when I look back on it, because stock thousand back then was, um, Claudio Corti, Bobby Fong, Skoltz. like it was a really stacked class and to win eight not even just to win eight races but to win eight in a row was like which is a huge thing for me. So you never know. It just it for me it's all based on confidence. If I'm riding a wave then it's it makes it a lot easier cuz you go into the race thinking like I got this handled and you know your your mental strength is better than anything I think whenever you're, you know, riding on a good wave. So Anything's possible, but you know, with Baz and Fong and Skolts and Gagne and Peterson, there's a lot of it's really stacked. And I think most of the year, it's you're going to see at least four guys battling for the lead on the last lap. So it's it's really going to be a lot about luck, uh, a lot about you know how your strength and endurance is, and and mental mentally how you are, you know, for sure.
1: I feel like it's going to be the guy who makes the fewest mistakes. Yeah, because I think everybody that you just mentioned is perfectly capable of making yeah. mistakes because they have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be that, you know, the guy that, that minimizes those. and
2: Yeah. And I think this year, you know, I'd, I'm just speaking it is, or speaking it how it is, but I think that Baz is going to kind of elevate us to another level like Elias did in the past. Uh, maybe not with just raw speed, but with, you know, quickness straight away in sessions, stuff like that. I think, you know, Tony came in and what year? 16
0: seven sixteen. Sixteen and then he won the
2: championship seventeen, yep. And and immediately like just elevated everybody's game as far as like aggressiveness, uh, you know, how quickly they're getting up to speed and practice, stuff like that. So I think Baz will do that again. Um, like I said, I don't think there's just gonna be lap records being broke every weekend because Cam had super strong pace last year. Mm-hmm. And I still have two of the lap records at Laguna and Coda just saying. Mm-hmm. But, just
0: saying.
2: Um, just saying. <laughs> but um, I think as far as like the you know raw speed out of the sessions there's going to be a lot of guys that are mentally screwed because they're going to be seeing how quick he's getting up to pace and they're 2 seconds off in the first session you know halfway through and they're like oh crap I got to get up to pace and mentally that'll break somebody just by being down in practice you see so many guys that all they care about is leading practice where I've always sucked at leading practice so I don't really care like I'm just a racer but a lot of guys like that mentally breaks them and that's something that'll be really tough this year and might separate the field, you know, midway through the year or something, I, I think. And you also um, suck
1: at testing. I mean, you yeah. told
2: me that. Yeah. Because you don't like testing. it, right? I, I like try. And the only year I was really good at it was with Richard and 18. And I was surprised that I hadn't been doing that good in testing this year. But then once we found whatever worked at the CODA test, the last two laps, I I found it again. I was like, okay, wow. I did the lap by myself. I did it on a used tire. I did it under pressure. Um, and it's a long track, which Coda would be the, the hardest track out of any on the schedule to go fast at, unless we're at Road America, because it's just so long that you know that half second turns into a second and a half on a track like Road Atlanta. So, um, for me to feel that confident there testing, I was I was pumped and, and really looking forward to starting the year.
1: All right, now don't take this the wrong way, <laughs> but you you're not known as the hardest worker in the mm-hmm. paddock, like off season. Mm-hmm. And this this off season, there's obviously been a change in that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm, you've told us before that you, you haven't necessarily lost weight, but you're in better shape and you've got more muscle mass and et cetera, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and why you've been why you've made that change.
2: Um, well, it doesn't look good when you're sponsored by a, a company like Fresh and Lean and you're the fattest guy on the grid. So yeah, they don't want to change it
1: to Fresh and Fat. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing. Maybe still fresh, but not very lean.
2: <laughs> so. That was like one of the things going through my mind, but also, you know, this is the the best opportunity I've I've ever been given. Um, I know how good it was to work with Richard. I know how well I rode on the Yamaha, and uh, you know, I just wanted to take advantage of it. I don't know how long this opportunity is going to last, but I want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I possibly can. If if it's not there anymore, at least I you know I lose it saying I was trying my hardest and I did everything I could. So, um, you know, I, I just. One day kind of woke up and and realized that I was fat, (laughs) like (laughs) compared to racers, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like overweight compared to people that I know that are my age, but I wasn't an athlete. I didn't look in the mirror in the morning, which I do every day. There's like five mirrors in our bedroom. So I always see myself. I'm like, wow. But one day I was like, man, I don't, I don't look like I should be racing a super bike and I could still go finish races and do fine. But I wanted to be somebody that went into the gym and they were like, yeah, he's an athlete. Like that's, that guy looks like an athlete. Um, and there was guys like, you know, Freddie Freeman, Mike Williams, you know, they're, they're baseball players, uh, football players coming into the gym. And I saw how hard they were working and how it was a job to them. And they went from the gym to eating to physical therapy. You know, it was just a nonstop kind of thing. And and I think I've never had that um, kind of motivation around me. I've never seen how that stuff really works as far as like a, a real, you know, baseball players or football players and stuff. So it took me to the next level, um, started working out with Joe Cancerelli out at the W training facility, Fresh and Lean's paying, uh, for me to go to the gym there. And I just stepped it up big time and, you know, been pretty much every single day in the gym for the past four or five months and feel really good about myself. I'm confident, uh, just off the track and on the track, I think. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just pumped on it. I don't, not looking for anybody to tell me, Hey, good job or anything. I just, I feel good about myself for the first time in a long time. Uh,
1: I'm going to let Sean ask you why you have four mirrors in your bedroom.
0: Well, that did <laughs> occur to me. And I wondered if
1: one was on the ceiling or not, but uh,
0: well, I do want to talk about your style, not that style, your mirror style, but your writing your style, Josh. I mean, you know, I don't want to call you an elder statesman, but you've been in the series for a long time and you started at a young age. Your all writer styles evolve over time. You're, wh- how has your writing style evolved? Because you still, to me, are kind of all over the bike and you really move around a lot and you you i used to call you a spider monkey you know and <laughs> do you feel like your race craft is, has changed and you mentioned something about when tony came in and what baz might do and you look at what you know how you need to step up and maybe change your style um
2: i from a young age from literally like the time i was 16 i i looked at guys like speeds and hopkins how they were riding um and and through the years you know you watch gp but i've always kind of gone off of Spees and hopkins i feel like i'm like a mix of those two guys because i i grew up watching them and paying a lot of attention to them and uh you know for some reason to the rights i ride totally different than i do to the left so that's been something i've been trying to work on because years past it didn't bother me too much but i've kind of started to think like okay well if i ride this way to the left and i ride this way to the right it's kind of like being bipolar on the bike and the setup in my mind might be different from one way to the other So maybe the reason why I'm uncomfortable in right-hand corners is because my riding style is so much different. Um, So I've been trying to kind of get off the bike a little bit more to the right. Um, But it it hasn't really evolved, you know, from the time I was 17 to now, I don't think. I think I might be a little bit more aggressive now. Um, But I like riding the bike like that. I think if when I'm comfortable, you see me really off the bike and aggressive. When I'm not comfortable is when I'm kind of like just – up a little bit Mm -hmm. um i i've had you know people try to change the way that i ride and i've tried it and i've given it you know i've given it 100 trying to i've rode the ovales or r3s and tried to like change my riding style or the r1 track day bike that i have and just just tried to be different and it i see the areas that it does help um but to me i'm not naturally doing it. it's not like just naturally happening so that means that in the race I'm thinking about that too much and Mm -hmm. not thinking about what I need to be doing. Um, so I'm, I've kind of like, you know, there's some pluses, but I've mainly stayed the same. Like Mm -hmm. I started working with Zemke this year and one thing he tried to get me to do is scoot up on the bike a little bit. I'm very aggressive and over the front of the bike and mid corner, but my butt is a little bit off of the tank. Uh, And by bringing my body weight forward a little bit, as far as my butt on the seat, it's shown me that you can actually get a lot more grip on the rear, which
0: to me- Seems odd.
2: Yeah, it Counter, was weird. Counterintuitive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never been, you know, like the, I've never been smart in that category, like understanding things about the bike. And no matter what, you know, I asked Chris Lessing in the past or Dave Baron or Richard or any crew chiefs I've had, I'd never sticks with me. But this one stuck with me because I just, I could feel the difference. You know, I'd come out of same tire, had the same, you know, it was pretty worn out tire. And I could feel the grip difference immediately from corner to corner by just scooting my butt forward, like an inch and a half, two inches. Do you use
1: a pad to do that?
2: No, I just, just tried to that? teach myself to really, you know, be aware of, you know, my stomach or crotch touching the tank. And it was a big difference. It, it makes it harder to do some other things, but it, I'm so used to moving around so quickly on the bike mm-hmm. anyways, that I can do one thing in the middle of the corner and prepare for the exit or whatever it may be. Um, so
0: you know i want to follow up on like your changes in style it seems to me yeah i guess you're not really saying this but maybe you you've become a lot more analytical as a rider i think i think working with richard i mean it seems like you understand what the bike is doing the suspension or at least you talk about it with people to try to understand it it's kind of gone it seems like to me from feel to more really feel and understanding you know the geometry or what's going on there
2: Ah. Uh- I try to, but for some reason, I don't know if I'm dumb or maybe I'm really smart. My brain's just telling me, hey, don't worry about that kind of stuff. But I like find myself trying to understand it. But then whenever it comes race time, I kind of just like, I don't know if it's the adrenaline or what it is, but it just throws it all out the window and I just do what feels natural to me. Um, But I also feel like I've been trying to learn more because of fans or people on YouTube, like trying to understand things. I want to really understand what I'm doing on the bike and what changes. So I can tell people or people that I'm coaching, like kind of show them what's going on. Because Mm -hmm. I think that might be one of the biggest things. When I started coaching riders, I started having to think like, okay, why am I doing this? Or what am I doing? That makes me do this. So I can explain it to them. And uh, in turn, it's kind of made me be a little bit more aware of what's going on at the racetrack whenever I'm here racing. Yeah. And it's, it has helped a little bit, but sometimes, you know, you just got to kind of block that stuff out and not overthink I've I've been teammates with a lot of riders that they just are way too into the setup of the bike. And they come in and say, give me two clicks here. Give me two, instead of just letting Richard do his thing and, and just focusing on how could I be a better rider this weekend?
0: Yeah. You know, it, that's not uncommon among riders. I mean, you think about guys, like I think of Doug Poland, Doug Poland, when he raced with uh, very analytical, understood tires, it became a tire tester. Some guys do do that. I mean, I know now um, Jeff Mays does some testing for Dunlop Taylor Knapp is doing that now. and but then, some riders just ride the bike and they almost can't explain it. You know, you can't yeah. I can't tell you what it is. it's It's just something that I can do, yeah. but I couldn't really teach you to maybe maybe necessarily do that. But you work with a lot of younger riders. So, what do you work with them on?
2: For me, so that's where I've been trying to get better. I, I want to be that technical guy that understands things. But for me, that's why I like working with kids like Jesse James, because I can, I don't have to focus so much on telling him why to do something. I just tell him to do it.
0: Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't
2: need to. He doesn't need to know why the reason is to do that. He just needs when to When you don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I, I, if there's ever a time where I'm like wondering, I'll just call somebody and ask him, like, hey, why do we do this? Right. <laughs> but, but for the most part, it's like, like when my dad's, teaching somebody how to do woodworking. It's like, you don't need to know why I do that. Just do it. That's the best way to do it. Do what I do. So you could try your own variations of, of what that is, but you're doing it this way. And you know, 90% of the fast guys are doing it this way. So, so try that. But, but I have been trying to understand more so that I can, I can teach people certain things. But um, for the most part, yeah, I think most racers don't know why they do things. We're just, you know, most of us with the exception of Hayes and Hacken, maybe a couple other guys started when we were, five, six years old or younger. And it's just what we do. It's like asking somebody why you walk that way. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, this is just, I could do this with my eyes closed. And most people look at it like, you're crazy for doing that sport. But to us, it's just second nature. It's just what we we do. Like mm-hmm. from the time I was born, I was sitting on a tank with my dad, like, you know, so it's, that's just natural for us. And we don't really understand why it's like speaking English to us, like, I don't know why is my language is just, it is, right? So. um yeah, that's, that's one really cool thing I've always thought about racers is like, like you said, they don't know why they do the things right. they do or they don't know that that's sketchy and they shouldn't be doing that. Like track day guys look at it and they're like, dude, you're insane. But to us, it's like there's a lot of room for error there. Like we make tons of mistakes every
1: lap and uh, yeah, we don't know why or how we do certain things. Most of us. <laughs> Back to this weekend with the series opener. How important is it for you to get off to a really good start? Um,
2: I, it's important. I mean, I, I need to be on the podium at least. I want to come out swinging and and win some races, but, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's going to be a stacked year. Um, there's a lot of really fast guys. So even if three of them are making mistakes, there's still three of the other guys that could be winning the race and will be fighting for wins the whole year. So you can't count on the guys making mistakes. because There's too many fast guys for that to happen in years past only been, you know, Cam was, a huge step above everybody last year, but normally there's, you know, two, maybe three guys that can win the championship, but like I said, now there's six. So you got to be ready to go right from the start. Um So I'm, I'm expecting to go out and fight for the win. And I, I'm hoping that I can get the win and I'll be pretty disappointed if I'm not at least, you know, first or second this weekend. Um, Yeah. So I, th- I think it's important the whole year. You can't be thinking, Oh, the championship's, long and we have time I'm not thinking about you're gonna be thinking about it the whole time you need to be getting as
1: many race wins as you can did you get the chance to ride with Baz at all at the test
2: um I was like so off the pace the whole test and I saw him like go out with me on pit lane and it was kind of I think if I was him thinking he was straight out of the gate was really quick there and he was wanting to size people up and like, you know, kind of big ball them and show like, <laughs> all right, I'll go out with you and I'll pull away from you. And uh, I was luckily, for whatever reason, I was able to claw onto him, even though I was uh, was uncomfortable. So I only really rode with him that one time. Um, but I know he was quicker than me at the test. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that he that I was, you know, competitive with him, but uh, I got to ride with him a little bit. The biggest thing that I wanted to do was just size up the power of the bike so I could tell Richard because I knew we had three weeks to kind of, um, you know, make any improvements that we needed. So it was really good to be able to just get out with him and, and get a good drive against him going on to the back straight at Coda. So we have an idea of of the torque and mid range and top end of the bike. And, um, you know, I came in, told Richard, I said, bottom end, mid it. Mid range was good, top end could improve a tiny bit, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't like he was yarding us like uh Zanetti And that's a was. track
1: that's like made for yeah, that sort first of first
2: gear just huge torque and you know, it should be a really good Ducati track. And uh, we were there. But you know, Zanetti last year I think was like like I talked to Skultz about it, he was way lighter than Baz's. Right. He was a little bit shorter and super skinny. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing last year. Um but that was the main thing, like I said, I was worried about there. Uh, figuring out and I saw how tall the guy was. It was nuts. Like he, he made that bike look like it was, a R three or something. It's <laughs> so big on it. it's like, the you,
0: know, <laughs> you know, I want to point out something for people that are watching. So what you just said, it was pretty analytical, Josh, you went to code it and it was a test and you were talking about the bottom end, the torque on the bike. So there you go. I mean, don't sell yourself short. You understand from dealing with Richard what you're trying to get out of the bike and what you need to accomplish. I was just
2: having fun drag racing. My buddy
0: is all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you feel like this track, because you live in California now, but you spent a lot of time in Dublin, Georgia. It's still kind of a hometown for you. Went to school there. Um, do you feel like this is a home track for you? Do you is it this is a special place?
2: I only went man. to school there for like a couple months because the school system sucked here.
1: No, they just <laughs> sucked,
2: man. I remember I didn't call the teacher, yes, sir, and they sent me the principal's office for it. And my dad came in. And the guy's like, Have you ever heard of the phrase went in Rome? And my dad's like, so you want my kids spit and dip on the carpet like all these other kids? <laughs> I made a lot of good friends here, but we left school after like six months because it sucked, man.
0: In home school, right? but yeah,
2: it is still uh, like I consider it like a home track. I, I hate when people do that because like a lot of racers bounce around, and it's like we have like five home tracks. Yeah, it seems exactly. Like. So I've always like felt like super cringy when people ask me that because I feel like Laguna is like a home track. Mm-hmm. I feel like Road Atlanta is a home track. I feel like Barber is a home track. So mm-hmm. it's like. It's really just whatever track a racer has success at and likes. Right. That's his home track. Like it could be Ohio, and we could say, "Yeah, that's like my home track because I do good there." <laughs> but Road Atlanta is cool because like the Heron compounds two hours from here. Right. So yeah, I, I grew up doing a lot of laps here. We have a lot of friends that every year they set up and turn ten A, ten B, and I, I love doing good here because I just love going off into the gravel in ten A, ten B after the race and just like seeing everybody pumped up. Uh, me and Paul were talking about earlier, like what we're focusing on before the race and stuff like during the race, like I literally go through 10 a 10 B and like want to do cool moves there. Cause I can hear <laughs> like my family and friends and people from the compound out there. And like, you can feel the energy in that, like gravity cavity area. Right. It's like, this is sick. Like I can hear it. I feel like I'm at a basketball game or something because the bikes are so quiet through that section that if you make a pass, you just hear them screaming. Yeah. Or you, even somebody crashes behind you, you hear the whole crowd like, Oh, so it's, it's a cool feeling um, knowing that it's like you're a crowd right there. Yeah. And no matter what happens, you could crash and go in the crowd. And everybody's still pumped that you're out there and they just want to hang out. So, so yeah, it's it's neat being here. Um, yeah, I have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. This is the thing that I always find to be fascinating about you. I know we're running out of time, but I want to mention this. You seem to be very aware of your surroundings. Some Some of these guys are out on the track and they don't even – they know the turns and they don't pay any attention to anything. But I mean, you've talked to us in the past where uh, you've been able to look at the screen and see who's behind you or, you know where your position is or you're saying about the fans in the corner. It's interesting to me that you can race a track and kind of still be aware of, of where you are. So
2: I think a lot of racers do that. I think for whatever reason, there's a lot of things that racers do and they don't like say it because they don't want people (laughs) thinking they're distracted or like, right. They're so worried about what somebody's going to think, but, like the TV is like a cheater for me because like I've always been taught my mom was like big on never looking back, like huge on it. So I, I try not to look back. I still do. Cause it's a bad habit, but like using the monitors around the track is, is huge for me because it allows me to see like from lap to lap, like maybe there's a guy in six that's making a charge and I can see like how close he's getting. Or <laughs> if there's two guys <laughs> behind me, you know, maybe they're in a battle and I know like, okay, I see these guys every lap passing each other. Maybe this is my chance to like, try and put my head down and get away from the guys behind me. Or it's easier for me to like get a realistic idea of the gap from me to the next guy, by looking at a TV where whoever's given the pit board might be saying, Oh, you're plus four, but really it's like almost a second. So it's, it's good to look at that stuff. But then there's also stuff you don't want to see. You know, you you always, like, I always just, like, for some reason, see the weirdest shit on the side of the track. Like, there might be a guy in a red T-shirt, and I can't stop looking at him like, every time I go by. And it makes me so pissed. I remember Road America one year. There's this guy with, like, a red Wisconsin flag, like, the state, the college flag. And he's just, like, got it on his motorhome. And I'm, like, so... F- at this guy, because I think there's a red flag, and then for whatever reason, this guy's flipping me off after the race. And like Rachel and I talked about it like a month ago. Like she's like, maybe that guy was like flipping you off because you always have the middle finger like stickers and stuff. I'm like, shit, maybe you're right because I like stood up. I, I won the race, and I remember standing up and like double birding him, so mad. <laughs> and like a month ago, she's
0: like, maybe he was just doing it to be funny. I'm like, oh, maybe he was. <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh-huh. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here, but you know, when this runs on Saturday, of course, we're going to be well into the race weekend. We're talking to Josh on Thursday leading into the weekend. So, um, you know, obviously we'll see how things go in in this first weekend and um, you know, every level playing field for everybody. But I want to talk about VIR, which is our next race coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, obviously by when you guys see this, we want to let you know to get on uh, Moto America's website and get tickets for that round. And certainly live plus i think you know josh is very electronically clued in on things so he's very familiar with the live plus streaming i think you know it's a good it's a good app for the fans wouldn't you say
2: yeah it's it's super good for the fans i think a lot of the racers don't use it enough it's good for us to go back and look at practice that's why i like it i know that if people are busy at home and you know can't watch the race or practice like it's it's nice to be able to just go there there's no i don't think there's any uh it's like no spoilers right there's no results on the live plus it's kind of cool to like not have to worry about trying to find it and see the results of a race. You didn't want to hear the results of. So, right. I love using it. My whole family uses it. all my friends use it. It's, it's the easiest, easiest way to do it. So a lot of people ask me all the time, like, man, they need to get better at telling us or finding ways to watch the race. I'm like this is like the best way ever <laughs> to watch the race. So, use that and
0: don't worry no, about uh, other things. Although certainly our broadcast TV is really good with FS2 this year. And we got Mav TV for super sport and, um, Look at this king of the baggers. And well, time. I mean, he you gave us a ringing endorsement. You gave us a ringing endorsement of the Live Plus subscription streaming service. I can't say it any better than what Josh just did. So definitely subscribe, you guys. And you know, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thanks a lot, a little it, bit for being with your us. Your
2: OnlyFans is a good spot too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's
0: right. That's, all right. All right. <laughs>